0: In the name of Jesus, amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Dear Saints, last week we were meditating on the joy that the Lord gives to us in an eternal sense. And and this is a theme that we've talked about. It just kind of sits throughout all the scriptures, but it especially sits this time of year in Easter as we push towards the ascension of our Lord. Uh, Now, just a a note on this. uh, It's in the calendar and whatnot. But just to note that in a couple of weeks, we will be celebrating the ascension of our Lord uh, on uh, the Thursday. Uh, it'll be not this coming Thursday, but the next Thursday, I, I believe. Look at the calendar and double check that. Um, but the, the Holy Spirit is continuing this work in pressing us towards joy. So last week, uh, it's the work of the Holy Spirit uh, to give us joy in the resurrection of Jesus. And this week, we're going to see this joy showing up again. Why? why we have that joy and how we're placed into that reality of the resurrection. And this is Jesus talking about the particular, what we call the threefold work of the Holy Spirit. And so we get Jesus saying that the Holy Spirit will come and he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And then he will do this when he goes. And this is why Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. And this is one of these things we we always just have to be reminded of, that it's actually good for us that Jesus has gone into the heavenly realms, that he's ascended to be at the right hand of the Father for a whole variety of reasons. We'll talk more about this on the festival, of the Ascension itself, but one of them is showing up here, that the sending of the Holy Spirit to us, to bring us to faith, to give us all the gifts of Christ, to dwell in us and make our bodies his temple, all of this is bound up to the Ascension, that if Jesus does not go away, we don't have these things, that he doesn't send the Holy Spirit to us. And then, more for our consideration today, uh, Jesus gives this particular name to the Holy Spirit. Uh, He calls him, in in our text, the the helper. Um, This is an interesting word in Greek. The the verb gets used kind of all over the place, but the noun only in a couple. Uh, The noun is only used here in, in John and then in 1 John. In 1 John, it's ascribed to Jesus. Here, it's ascribed to the Holy Spirit. You get helper, some, uh, some translations will have comforter. In First John, uh, Jesus is called the advocate. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And this is this word, uh, I think that the King James used to just translate this as paraclete. Uh, it's, uh, um, that, that's the Greek word that's sitting there. And what this means is this is uh, a, a functionally a defense attorney. It's someone who comes alongside somebody else Uh, and stands with them. That's what the the word implies. But it's used in a legal sense for a defense attorney. So it's setting us into this picture of the courtroom of God. And this is what we want to just have in our minds as we're going along through this work of the Holy Spirit. That we're brought into God's courtroom, and we stand before the judge, who is the Lord himself, and we have someone who is accusing us, and there's someone who's defending us. And there's two possibilities here. And it's with the defense. Either we are defending ourselves or we have a defense attorney. And as is the case in real life, representing yourself in court tends to not go super well. So it's the same thing in the court of God. We don't want to represent ourselves. We want somebody else who knows better representing us. But what's important is just the whole picture. God's the judge, but our accuser is the devil. This is, in fact, if we remember what his name means, Satan means uh, accuser, prosecuting attorney, and paracletos, paraclete, the Holy Spirit and Jesus are advocates or our defense attorneys. And so we come in, and if we're there trying to defend ourselves, then we're hopelessly lost because we're trying, we're going to try and defend ourselves uh, with with no ammunition, because all we can end up doing to all the accusations is plead guilty. Because what the devil is coming in with, interestingly enough, the devil comes into the courtroom of God, not with false accusations, but with true accusations. He comes bringing the whole list of your sins with him. And this is the problem, because when the devil comes up and he says, here's here's what Pastor Kilgo did and what he didn't do. I can only say that that's true, I'm guilty. And if I'm the only one defending myself, then I'm gonna be eternally condemned. This is what Jesus is then hitting on, that this defense attorney of ours and the Holy Spirit is coming along and he's doing these three particular things, especially in the courtroom of God and the courtroom of our consciences, that we would have joy still sitting there alongside all of this. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit does, the first work is that he'll convict the world concerning sin And then Jesus, in explaining these, says, because they do not believe in me. And this is pressing us toward uh, uh, a very important reality, that there is only fundamentally one commandment, one sin, and it is unbelief. All the other sins that we have in, in life, every other issue that we have in the realm of sin, flows from that one sin. There's one commandment, there's one God, and you're not him. And then everything else is commenting on that. Everything that we do in our sinful lives, what we do and live undone, what we say and don't say, what we think and don't think, all that stuff that we confess at the beginning of the divine service, all that is flowing ultimately from unbelief, which is why the, the confession of the man in the Gospels is also our confession, I believe, help my unbelief. Because we always have these two things mingled with each other. So Jesus is telling us that the Holy Spirit will convict us concerning sin because of unbelief. And he just, that just points us into the commandments. And to start off, the first one, have you feared God above all other things? Is there anything else that you have been afraid of? Have you loved God above all other things? Have you trusted God above all other things? And if the answer, which it should be, uh, to any of those is no, then the entirety of the commandments is broken right there. Everything is gone at that point. You are in unbelief, in that reality. Now, thanks be to God, he brings us, as we mentioned, I believe, help my unbelief. He brings us also in faith that fights against that unbelief. And so both realities are going on. And then all the other commandments as we examine them, uh, how are my prayers? How is my attitude towards worship? Uh, how is my attitude towards authority? Uh, do I uh, honor and protect life? Do I honor and protect marriage? All, just working through the commandments, uh, all of these are flowing out of what it looks like then in our lives to live as though the reality is true that there is only one God. And the more that reality is true in our own consciences, the more those tables get kept. Now what's important here is that our sin is what's on trial, not our good works. We get a little bit mixed up with this. We think that we're going to come into the courtroom of God and we're going to be able to present like a, a defense against all of our sin of like, look at the good works that I, that I did. But it does not work this way. You imagine how this would work in a court of law. I run down the road and I start busting out all the, the car windows as I'm running down the road. And so I get hauled into court and the judge says, how do you plead? And I said, well, guilty, but while I was doing that, I was also mowing everybody's lawn along the way. So it makes up for it. And the judge is going to look at me like I'm crazy because that doesn't mean that you didn't break the windows. You're still guilty of breaking the windows, and there is a punishment for that. The same is true for our sins. We have good works that, we are do- that are done by faith, but that does not override the sins that we have done, our unbelief, and our breaking of the, sec- the, the first and second tables of the law. We are still guilty of those. And so we can't come and plead innocence because of the good works. We need some other thing that's going to plead innocence on our behalf. And we'll get there in a minute. But this is actually where the first bit of joy comes in. The, the Holy Spirit and, and the Lord himself cares for us enough to actually show us who we are so that we wouldn't live in our sin, so it wouldn't dwell eternally in this reality and, and just end up in the eternal torment of hell because we just didn't know. The Lord tells us, and he tells us for a very particular reason. One, so that we would turn in repentance from these things. It, it is impossible to turn from repentance of something you don't know you should repent of. So the Holy Spirit just tells us, he convicts us concerning our sins so that we would live in repentance towards God. And also to direct us to where the defense actually is. And this is going to be the second work that the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts the world concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. Now we're getting into the, the whole ascension talk again, but we have to remember that it's not our righteousness that's being convicted here. Unlike the sin, the sin is ours, but the righteousness is not. We, in fact, don't have any righteousness of ours. Instead, the Holy Spirit is coming in and he is presenting as evidence in this courtroom Not our good works, but the blood of Christ that covers our sin. So this is kind of how the the thing goes. The devil comes in and says, uh, here's this this sin. Here's this breaking of the first commandment. Here's this um, this failure to love uh, neighbor as yourself. And the Holy Spirit says, objection. That's died for by Jesus. And then the devil says, well, here's another one. Here's this, this other thing. He broke all the car windows as he's running down the road. And the Holy Spirit says, objection, covered by the blood of Jesus. And over and over and over, this is how it goes. That the, the Holy Spirit is constantly pointing in the court to the evidence, not of our own good works, but of the blood of Christ. And this, we actually get this in, the, in this really marvelous hymn, Jesus, Thy Blood and Righteousness, if you, if you remember this. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious dress, amidst flaming worlds, and these arrayed, with joy shall I lift up my head. That I can lift up my head with joy in the courtroom of God, not because I'm arrayed in my own good works, but because I'm arrayed in the blood of Christ that covers all of my sins, that gives me his righteousness. This is what's at the end of the text, where the Holy Spirit is coming along and giving to us what belongs to Jesus, To Jesus belongs all righteousness and perfection and the perfect keeping of the law. The Holy Spirit says, here, that's yours. That's what's going on here in convicting us concerning righteousness. And and maybe this note, we hear convict and we hear a negative thing. Uh, Convicting is just the pronouncement of a, like a legal judgment, guilty or not guilty. And in this, this is the pronouncement that you are not guilty of your sins because of the death of Jesus because he has died and shed his blood so that they would be covered and they would stand before the face of the father no more. They're, they're, they're inadmissible as evidence in the courtroom of God. A little side note on this, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit taking what is Jesus and proclaiming it to you, we in that little section, we have this note that the Holy Spirit does not speak of his own accord. He doesn't talk about himself. The Holy Spirit talks about Jesus. The Holy Spirit points us to the person and work of Jesus. And this is, Instructive for us as well, in how we then go and we talk to other people about all of this. There's always this temptation to talk about ourselves because we are kind of fundamentally selfish people, and we like ourselves quite a bit, and we want to show people how great we are and how great life has become because I'm a Christian. The problem is that's not always true, and that's not really the point. We should, we ought to follow the example of the Holy Spirit here in pointing away from ourselves and at Christ. They were always pointing them to Christ who is for them, Christ who has died for them, Christ who has been raised for them, Christ who has ascended for them, Christ who's coming back for them. That it's all the work of Christ for them. I'm just the messenger. As as Luther's taught us, we talk about this quite a bit. um, We are all beggars, showing other beggars where we found bread. I'm a beggar and you're a beggar. Let me show you where the food is. Let me show you where Jesus is, who's gonna feed you with the bread from heaven and the waters of eternal life. This is how we ought to be approaching this. In this, then, the second work of the Holy Spirit, we have joy in that the righteousness of God is covering me. Not my own righteousness, but his. And that, as the hymn says, gives us joy with which we can lift up our heads, that we can stand in boldness and confidence, in faith, uh, and and in contentment. And then you get the third work of the Holy Spirit of judgment concerning the devil. The ruler of this world is judged. And this is such a beautiful preaching. At first, it sounds like the Holy Spirit's going right back in the law, that he's going to convict the world concerning judgment. And then Jesus says, but not yours. The judgment of the devil, the judgment of your adversary, that now after all the proceedings have been done, uh, essentially the devil gets held in contempt of court and gets kicked out. He can't stand there any longer. He can't keep bringing accusations in the courtroom of God against you any longer. He's gone. And he cannot come into your own conscience any longer and try and convict you of anything, and especially of death. If you remember, this is what uh, the author of Hebrews brings up that is so important for us, that Jesus, by dying, destroyed death and also destroyed the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. That the, the chief power the devil has is to come and try and get us to be afraid of death so much that we turn death into a god. And we essentially worship at the altar of life and death instead of at the altar of God. Instead of understanding that Jesus, who is the life, has been given to us and all the things that come with that and that in him we're already immortal. Death can't touch us any more than it can touch Jesus. And in this, we have this great joy that the devil is crushed, not only under the feet of Jesus, but under our feet as well. Already done. He can harm us no longer. This is what we sing about in Mighty Fortress. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him, and that word is that he's a liar. He is going to come and try and tell you that you are still uh, under your sins before God, and he is a liar. He's going to try and tell you that your good works can merit salvation before God, and he is a liar. He's going to tell you that that death is the greatest enemy and is to be feared above all things, and he is a liar. He is destroyed, sin is forgiven. Death is undone. That is the joy that we stand in, in all this. And it is really quite wonderful and it's really quite emboldening. The Holy Spirit takes what belongs to Jesus all of these things, his preaching, his life, his righteousness, all of it, everything that belongs to Jesus. Just pick something that belongs to Jesus. The Holy Spirit takes that and he declares it to you, gives it to you as a gift. And he does this especially through the work of the church. This is, in fact, why we come to church. It's why you should come to church. This is what's going on here. This This is all we've got. All we've got is the forgiveness of sins and eternal life and the righteousness of Christ. All. But that is everything. If you have that, you have no lack. This is why the church exists to deliver these things to you. It is one for you at the cross. It's delivered to you here. Every single time you gather. Every time you hear the scriptures preached. Every time you remember your baptism. Every time you hear the absolution. Every time you receive the blessed sacrament of the altar. In fact, if you think about just the whole working of the liturgy, this is how it goes. This whole working, this threefold work of the Holy Spirit is being proclaimed throughout the whole thing. We begin with the confession of our sins. We don't deny that we have sinned before God and one another, but we simply confess it as it is. And then we hear, not only in the absolution, but throughout the entire rest of the service, we hear of the righteousness of Christ. We hear of Jesus who stands in the law in our place. We hear of Jesus who sheds his blood, that we would stand forgiven in the courtroom of God. We hear of Jesus who died our death, that we would stand in immortality and life. And then we come before God, before his judgment seat, which is this right here. This is the judgment seat of God. And we come to hear what the verdict is for our sin. And we hear this verdict, not guilty. Your sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. Receive that reality. Take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. We come to the altar of God and we receive from the Holy Spirit what belongs to Jesus, and is also made ours. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.